and we work with guys who are um, coming out of prison. We work with the house correction where guys who are doing their uh, jail time at our home. And uh, we work with guys from off the streets um, who are dealing with ALDA issues. And um, so it's, it's being able to strengthen a man who is broken and give them back their identity and give them that confidence that they will walk out of God Touch Milwaukee with what they first had in the beginning. I've been been through it, you know, and I've seen it, so right. I know what I'm saying. Um, and that's why I say if, you know, all these people want to take monies away from MPD, well, I hope the leadership who is part of what this movement is and what they want to do realizes that they need to make sure if that happens, money is going to go to organizations as we're talking about that are going to be organizations with outcomes and it's going to change neighborhoods because we do need law enforcement. I don't care what anybody says. We do need law enforcement. Well, and you make a great point because uh, here again, people that aren't in neighborhoods that are faced regularly with the threat of, of violence and you are, you, you are in all parts of Milwaukee, so you see this, um, don't understand position that you're putting people in those neighborhoods in, and that um, yes everybody wants a respectful accountable relationship with law enforcement when and where it exists right and I think that's totally understandable and fair but I think what's being missed in this larger debate again is that you're not helping people in neighborhoods that already face challenges by uh, further pulling a security net away from them or a safety net and that's and by that I mean literally people that are there to help keep them safe Online schooling and um, is really going to be a problem, and that's where I look at where MPS should come up with more ideas to bring these kids back into school, so that they're there learning instead of having them work off a computer where some don't even know how to turn on a computer, and I'm not or don't have a computer, and if MPS isn't providing. What's going to happen to these kids? Because as you t we talked, why should a child be affected because of politics? Right. You know, let them get their education. Let them get their learning, you know. And wearing, if they got to wear masks, have plexiglass or whatever around yeah, their I mean, desk. Yeah, Let's get creative right. and do something right. so these kids get back in school. Uh, yeah, no, and that's the worst part is that we have to see what happens, right? We're going to run an experiment. And, and the kids, again, are the, the test subject because it's their life at the end of the day. I'm Kevin Nicholson, and this is the Right Idea Podcast. I'm Kevin Nicholson, volunteer president and CEO of No Better Friend Corp. Thank you for joining us for season two of the Right Idea Podcast. This season, we're sitting down and having conversations with a series of great Americans to celebrate our country, to talk about addressing our challenges, and to lay out a path forward. At this moment in time, our nation is struggling to come together as we continue to navigate the health and economic challenges presented by COVID-19. We're now in the home stretch of the 2020 presidential campaign, where there are very clear and wide divides. And after the death of George Floyd, both peaceful protests and riots have broken out across the country. From the depths of the depression to the midst of World War II, the American people have gotten through much worse, but this is a challenging time. Today, we hear radical cries to defund the police coming from our politicians and our teachers unions. 
all as the future of our children's education hangs in the balance, especially given debates over virtual and in-person learning. And it's hard not to feel that a fair amount of that debate is being conducted with an eye on the 2020 presidential election. Despite the uncertainty and the often negative stories that dominate our screens and our feeds, there are positive stories in our community and there is a path forward as a nation. And it was an honor to have a conversation with a community leader who is today working tirelessly to change lives and to make inner city communities a better, safer place. I'm excited to introduce you to Marty Calderon, the founder of God Touch Milwaukee. This is the Right Idea Podcast. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Marty. We greatly appreciate it. We're excited to have you. We're going to talk about God Touch Milwaukee. We're going to talk about Milwaukee, that some of the challenges the community faces in general and, and solutions that you're putting forward that I'm excited about and I know our entire team is. Before we even do that, um, one of the things we're asking everyone that joins the podcast to talk about is basically, what do you love most about this country? What is your favorite part about America and what what makes you think this country is exceptional and great? Um, the freedom. I love the freedom. And I know that there's challenges right now, but it's all right, you know, because we're going to get through them. And I, I just love that being able to express what I want to express verbally and uh, being able to even challenge others in, in um, discussions and not have, um, let's say, uh, consequences such as in, if we were in, in another country. So right. I love the freedom. I love the freedom of my faith, being able to express who, you know, my Lord is and not um, being thrown in jail and not right. uh, being beaten or tortured because I serve Jesus. Um, so, you know, and being able to conduct meetings such as this and our Bible studies and whatnot. And, and again, I know there's, there's challenges right now that, are, that we're facing through our country, but we're, we're going to prevail. You know, we're, we're, it's going to be all right. And uh, the Bible tells us that we're going to go through things like this. So, but we need to just stand firm in what we believe and what we believe morally, especially. Right. And and not waving or um, not giving in just because everybody else is. So, right. you know, I, I love America. I love the freedom. Uh, you know, I love I love Wisconsin. I really do. You know, I've been to all, a lot of different states, right. but I love Wisconsin. Not you take me everywhere. Take me anywhere you want. Right. As long as I know I'm coming home, <laughs> back to Wisconsin. I'm all right, you know. So, you know, I guess that's what I, I, I where I love. You know, I, I love the the lakes. I love the, you know, just the atmosphere. Um, you know, the Brewers, the Badgers, right. uh, the Bucks, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, <laughs> but I love Wisconsin. <laughs> I'll let that one slide. Um, we won't even talk about that. But, but yeah, no. Look, I I've lived all over. Uh, country in the world too and this is home and uh people would always ask like why do you want to move back there it's, it's a great place it really great people um you talked just a moment ago about you know the freedoms that we have guaranteed in this country and where we live and how important it is to be able to talk about your faith to share yes. your faith with people mm -hmm. to have honest conversations you and i have been a part of other conversations in our community that were very frank and acknowledging mm -hmm. that um 
you name it, there's a million things we can do better in terms of leadership in the community and, and elsewhere. But the fact that we do have the freedom to have those conversations is so critical to actually figuring out real solutions. And if we lose that, um, which you know there are people out there advocating for, yes. for limiting people's ability to express, like you probably don't get that back for a while, mm -hmm. which is why we are sharing, it's why we're having the conversations we are here on this podcast with people like you that are invested in the community, that are fighting for it, um, and sharing how important these freedoms are uh, to be able to do your job and to do the work that you're doing, which I want to ask you about. So tell me a bit about, um, and tell our listeners a bit about uh, the mission of God Touch Milwaukee and what you're, what you're involved in. Uh, God Touch Milwaukee is, is an organization that is so dear to my heart. And uh, um, it's like, uh, I thank the Lord for allowing me to be part of what he's given me. And some may say, what do you mean by that? You know, it's just the vision that I had and I prayed about and that God has opened up so many doors to allow me to uh, walk through to create this great organization. Um, I myself in the past have dealt with addictions and uh, I've have been incarcerated and uh, because of my addictions. And um, if it wasn't for people coming into my life and helping me get to a solid ground I, I probably wouldn't even be sitting with you guys right here, you know. So going through what I did and then being able to see um, where I am now is anyone could do that if they want it, okay. Right. And we work with guys who are um, coming out of prison. We work with the house correction where guys who are doing their uh, jail time at our home. And uh, we work with guys from off the streets um, who are dealing with ALDA issues. And um, so it's, it's being able to strengthen a man who is broken and give them back their identity and give them that confidence that they will walk out of God Touch Milwaukee with what they first had in the beginning. And they just lost it in between because of mistakes and because of addictions and whatnot. So we are six six months to a year program. Okay. Um, we uh, our main goals are one, your establishing your relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, and some may come into our knowing what we're about coming into our program, uh, who have nothing, no clue about the Bible, and that's all right. We're all we, we're all right with that because we want to work with them, disciple them, and, and build them up. Right. So it's the, the faith component is huge. And then we have a safe living environment. And then we look at employment. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of people want to throw employment right away. But how can you give someone a job who's never had a job? Right. How can you uh, give someone a job who's up till 4 or 5 in the morning and then they got to be to work at 7 o'clock? They're not used to that. Right. So you, we work with them on that, you know, making sure they set their alarms. Something simple as that, making right. sure they get up early enough to shower, to make a lunch, you know, because a lot of times they'll wake up at the last minute, wash your face, brush your teeth, and run out, you know what I mean? Right. But here we're showing them, make some time, you know, right. get up early enough to, to read your Bible if you need to, make a breakfast, get your lunch going, and then go on on to work, you know. Right. Um, some guys, it's hard for them to do that, so we work with them on it. So it may take a little longer than than normal for them to get a job and that's all right you know right. that's why we're here is to help support them and to help bring those resources so we're, we're sold out for that we're, we're ready for that uh, and then once they get the job then they're able to pay the fees to stay there okay. to live there 
Um, and um, I'll tell you, we've our tor- turnover is, I, I kid you not, is we don't have a lot of turnover. Okay. You know, um, people who come into the home want to stick it out. You know, there's times where I've had to have to ask people to leave because them not following expectations or them coming home um, intoxicated or because or using drugs because you don't want one bad apple to ruin the whole crew. You want to make you know, you want to make sure. exactly. Right. So then you know that's something I have a living uh, home uh, home director. Okay. So he oversees everything for me because I don't live three there. Buildings? I have three homes. Okay. And we just purchased a, a church. To where we're going to house guys who are going to be living in the church in the okay. upstairs. So, um, so yeah. So God touched Milwaukee. I mean, we're, we're just very involved in these guys' lives, and then very involved in the community. Okay. I want to ask a couple questions about. Um, well, first, roughly how many people right now do you have in the? In the home? I have thirteen guys who are living at the home right now. Got it. And with the expansion you're undergoing, how many do you see? I could add. In the beginning, we're probably going to add about three to three to five guys, okay. but overall, we could add about uh, four more. Okay, got it. And so, what you um, you touch on a number of things I want to follow up on. So, obviously, the importance of faith in the in what you're sharing with people and the strength that it can give you. Um, I want to talk about that in a moment. One of the other things I want to ask about right away is, you know, I I have not had an experience comparable to the people that are that are in your program right now. What I have had is experience in various combat deployments where we were just talking about this earlier. Uh, you're rolling around. You don't have a home. Eventually, you finally get to a spot that you can call your own. And how psychologically important that becomes to have a space. And it sounds so elemental, but to have a space that is yours where you can center yourself, you can concentrate on your faith. Like you said, you can get some of these very simple things right that actually make life work. Like sleeping, getting up on time, like getting your, your head and your mind and your heart right so you can go out and do good work. Talk a bit about that because if you haven't been displaced in a way and you're not emerging from a stressful situation, maybe people don't understand how critical that is to people actually getting off on the right foot and then ultimately being successful. Yeah, you, you know, the, the key thing I, I think, and I've sat in meetings with the U.S. Attorney's Office and a lot of different people here in the city of Milwaukee, in their first push is job, 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 job. Right. You know, but exactly what you just explained, mm-hmm. they don't have that. So right. you could give an individual a job, but if they're going right back into their environment with the paycheck, say it's five hundred dollars, and they're like, All I made was five hundred dollars for eighty hours, well let me flip this five hundred dollars mm-hmm. and make a couple thousand dollars. So then because they don't have that safe living environment or the structured accountability to where what we have at God touch, you know, to where, you know, they're coming home working 80 hours and then they look at their checks and say, Oh, okay. You know, at least I have a safe home. At least I'm not using. And at least I'm, I I have a a full-time job. They're building, they're, they're building, they're, they're building on the small. Right. And the small is starting to grow now because there's more, being added, which they want, you know. Now that they're building, other layers start to come to where now they can start seeing their kids because they're paying child support and their so-called baby mama, excuse me for using that, but that's, you know, that's the talk, how they talk, is getting child support now. So now they're, they're like, you know what? You can see little Joe now. You, right. He could come see you. So, and then they start getting, you know, 
their excitement starts to grow and their confidence starts to grow. Then they're like, you know what, I love this job, but now that I have the experience here, there's this higher paying job that I could apply for. Their confidence is starting to grow. Then they go for that, then they get that. Then now it's like, okay, I've been with Marty for, you know, a year. Before that, we're working with them already on saving money. We're working on them. Okay, what is your goal after a year? What do you, what would you like? So here comes the year come, a year comes, and then they're sitting with me, and we're looking for apartments or a single bedroom, you know, for them. So, right. you know, it, it starts with that small and with them having a space to saying this is home, as you just said, because right. a lot of times home for them were either couch to couch, on the street, in their car, right. or, you know, who knows where. So, yes, right. you're, you're totally right on that. It's these elemental things, and, I mean, that's what I love about your program is that it is getting to basics. It is uh, sharing the messages that really should be shared from all, in my, in my opinion, from all elements of society, from schools, from public officials, elected officials, so-called leaders that should talk about, like, getting these little things right are – it is so critical, and anyone who's been successful in their life who is not sharing that message, in my mind, um, is condescending to people. Because, you know, these are the, the building blocks of life that mm-hmm. if you have yourself and your mind and your heart right, if you are treating your family right, if you are thinking to the future, like, good things happen. Um, and this has been true throughout all of human history. I think that we as a civilization understood this. It was shared from uh, the church uh, very, very adamantly. And then there have been, I would say, political voices over the past 60-some years who have said, all that stuff's nonsense. Like, don't worry about that. Do what makes you feel good. And if anyone tells you otherwise, Mm -hmm. they don't like you. And the reality is that has not served anybody well. And so much of what you're doing here is just reiterating these things. Get these things right. And not only will you find success, but you'll find happiness. You will be uh, at one with your faith, but you will have your family with you. And the joy that that brings in life, I just feel like so many people in political life have sold so many people short by not pointing them to that outcome. And that's mm-hmm. frustrating. But it's great to see you pushing against it. Well, and that's the accountability right. of, you know, making sure there is accountability. You know, and, and two, it's having... Um, how can I say this? It's, it's being able being able to have that accountability that they trust in the leadership, okay? Right. Because I've had guys say, Marty, you know what? I could talk to you a little more than I could talk to 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 Dan mm-hmm. because you know because I you know I know you better. But I'm like, well, you know what? Dan is the one who oversees all that. <laughs> you need to go through Dan first <laughs> and talk to him because. That's who I have established. You can't overstep the structure of the, the environment, and you need to respect the environment and respect that structure because, right. you know, a lot of the guys, you know, it's like I, 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 I look at King David in the Bible. Saul was low. He was mad. He wanted David so bad, you know, wanted to, wanted to kill him, wanted mm-hmm. to just bring harm to him. But David knew his calling david knew the order right he had to respect that and david and david could have easily overtook Saul. could have easily did it but he didn't do it because he knew the order and respected the position you know that's what i tell the guys at god touch milwaukee you know 
I'm not going to put people in charge if I know that they're not going to do what I what I would do, right. you know. Right. And you know, it, it's something because I just watched the movie too, and it was a true story in Afghanistan, and it was an army um, platoon that they were surrounded by Taliban, and uh, they had uh, brought in a new, um, I think, sergeant or mm -hmm. and, uh, the guys didn't respect him, and um, so they would go to the guy who they respected, and they were at lunch and the guy walked up to to the guy they respected and said hey you know what so and so mm -hmm. uh, did this did that and did they, he called the guy name and and this guy's like oh yeah well sit down let me talk to you you know <laughs> and the guy sat down and, and that guy who he respected got on him really hard and said mm -hmm. you need to respect the position that that man holds you know right. and that is so true that when you catch that and you're not looking at the flaws and you're not looking at you know, uh, who is he? Or but but you're accepting them because you know they're going to help you. Right. That takes a, you take you a whole long way. You Absolutely. know because it's about order. It's about the change of heart of not being I'm always right. You know. Right. So and, and that's you know our leadership here at God Touch Milwaukee. That's what I look at. You know if, if they have a heart to help these men, I know they're going to do the right thing. Absolutely, and it builds yes, it builds credibility. It builds trust, mm -hmm. and I. Things you're talking about again are those are core parts of leadership. I mean, I was taught these things when I was a young Marine officer, and um, it is so critical. And I wish more leaders in our society uh, understood it. You know, and I, I say that not to condescend to them, but like this this concept that um, if you truly care, uh, you have to make yourself accountable too, yes. and you have to do the right thing so people will in turn respect you, and they have a reason to respect you. Mm -hmm. And again, I think in a world where People's um, faith, unfortunately, seems to be falling more to political parties instead of their true faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they put blind allegiance in political leaders who have their own problems and issues and so on. And there's been so much of a detachment from saying, actually, you know, we do want people to lead our society that we're proud of. And that is highly problematic. And um, this has been going on for a long time. This is nothing new. And um, when I hear someone like yourself, you are establishing respect amongst people probably who haven't had a ton of respect for other yes. people in their life mm -hmm. and that's not an easy thing to do but to do that you have to walk the walk in the first place and if you falter as a leader that will be noticed and it will reduce trust and cause all sorts of problems it's, it's a burden but it's worth it because that's what actually gets people to to follow yeah. and do the right thing and you know that these guys here they see a lot of people that i deal with come through these doors mm -hmm. you know and they watch me and how I react to certain right. topics, to certain discussions, to cer certain certain uh, conversations, and and I know they're watching, you right. know, because right. they're gonna see it. Well, if Marty's telling us this, is he saying <laughs> is what he he's supposed to? Right. You know, oh, you so you know, it starts with me, you know. Absolutely. And if I don't respect who I am or the, for what I believe in, then how can I create something that that can be successful? Right. You know. Right. Um, you can't. I, I'm sorry, but you can't. You right. may go good for a little bit, but eventually it's going to fall apart. Right. I mean, when you stand for what you believe in, and like for me, is standing in, in, in my, my salvation and the faith that I have in the Lord, you know, I know we will succeed. You know, but if I'm to waver that into uh, just because I'm getting invited to different things, different events or different uh, uh, called to speak in different uh, venues, mm -hmm. you know, then there's a problem with me. 
that's why I mean you've I've spoken at different events you've been at and yeah. I always let, let people know you know where I stand and it's right you know where, where my walk is because if it wasn't for my faith you know and I said this a little while ago I know I wouldn't be here yeah. I know I wouldn't be here right. but it's because of my faith and what I believe in and me wanting to to succeed is why I'm doing what I'm doing right so let's talk about your faith more so here so I know you said everyone who comes to this program not necessarily a person of faith. Mm-hmm. And so um, talk to me about how you approach that and how you share with 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 everybody, basically, that what you just said, that you wouldn't be here today if not for your faith and how important it's been in um, the role that Jesus Christ has played and you know, where you are at today. And, you know, I, I, I really, I try to follow what Jesus did, okay? And Jesus never forced himself on anybody. And all throughout my years of doing street ministry, when I would sit with all these gang members, mm-hmm. I never shoved my faith down on them. Mm-hmm. I was able to establish a relationship with them first. Mm-hmm. And then by establish, establishing that relationship, I was able to open up to them and talk with them and um, tell them, why am I here? You know, why, why, why am I sitting here at 1.30 in the morning in the highest crime area, gunshots yeah. all over the place, why are you here, Marty? It's because this is what the Lord wants me to do, right. you know. And um, so at the home when they come in, you know, if, if they want to make a change and they really want to live a better life, you know, I'm going to bring them in, you know. And they already know what we're all about because I break everything down to them. Right. And then we have um, Monday nights we have a trauma-informed class that we go through some trauma things, mm-hmm. um, classes that we've been doing in regards to why maybe you're struggling with drugs and alcohol. And, right. um, and then Tuesday we have Bible studies. Wednesdays we have a men's group. Thursday's Bible study. Friday we do a corporate prayer, and then we do a street street evangelism where we go to the streets every other Friday, hand out 100 bag lunches to people in the area and just talk with them and pray with them. And then Saturday morning we have an AODA class. So they're going right. to get Jesus and somewhere. Right. You know, <laughs> and, and, and it's not getting forced on them. Right. They're choosing to be here, so right. this is this is the classes that we do, and then eventually they start to say, "Who? I want to know more about right. this guy. Where's this guy? You know, wh- why are these people changing? You know, right. and then we were able to break in and really discuss with them about their faith and and and, and moving forward with their relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, it was something because when we first started ministry, I started I had a street street ministry, and we did we're out every Friday, 9 o'clock at night to 1, 2, 3 in the morning in really high crime areas in the south side. And um, I met a lot of different people mm-hmm. <laughs> in that time of night. And um, neighborhoods started to change, okay? So then all the political people, the aldermen, the, you know, right. the police department and uh, the mayor's office, what's going on? How is this happening, you know? Right. And I would say, come take a walk with me. Yeah. You know, come walk with me late at night and you'll see what happens. So we had, you know, from aldermen's to law enforcement, from judges, from, you know, county supervisors and uh, walking the streets with us late at night. And I tell them, this is what we do. We're going to, you know, when we meet up with people, we're going to pray with them. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them are like, you know, okay. you know, Some of them were uneasy, you know, because sure. they, you know. Sure. But hey, you're with me. You you asked to come, so this is right. what we do, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, one particular night we had myself, an alderman, a judge, a county uh, supervisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I don't, I can't remember. We're all in a circle holding hands, praying. You yeah. Know? And um, 
you know, it touched their lives, you know, because they're like, man, here, this guy has six people that they all go out these neighborhoods doing what we're doing and making changes in those neighborhoods, you know. Um, so that's how, you know, a lot of my relationships with the um, government came was okay. because of what the street ministry is all about because they started to see things that they had never seen before. Right. You know, gang truce, we are calling gang truce, but it all started because of what, you know, I really felt my heart the Lord wanted me to do. So, right. and I've always believed if I just stay close to God's game plan, I'm going to be all right, right. you know? Right. And, um, but there's learning lessons too. You learn, you know, it's not, sometimes you take different directions, but then God pulls you back. Say, like, hey, come on, you know, it's part it, of right? growing, you yes. know? Right. And uh, so that's what, I share with these guys that God touched Milwaukee. You know, right. I've made many mistakes in my life, but you know what? You see what God's doing right. with the ministry. I mean, it's it's crazy is that there's been times to where I just shake my head and wonder, how did I get into these meetings, you know? I had the honor of going to the White House. I was invited there, mm-hmm. and I, I went there. And that in itself is a huge story, but it was just like, wow, you know? Right. Coming from where I was years and years ago to be sitting here, you know, and then being able to meet Vice President Pence, you know, mm-hmm. was an honor, shaking his hand, talking with him for a little while. Right. Um, so, you know, and being in different meetings with the U.S. Attorney's Office and them asking me, you know, questions like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Basically, that was, what, what, what is your right? approach in accomplishing curving crime? Well, let me tell you, tell you this, I would tell him, you know, and it just opened doors to, you know, about how God is using us to have an effect here in the city of Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, and we're still doing it. You know, we we see a lot of things around us, but it is what it is. And we're going to stay focused and keep doing what we do. Well, I love what you said about sharing your faith. I mean, there's a incredible part, right? And it gets back to this idea of uh, establishing credibility and trust and having people see who you are and what you care about and then inviting them to ask questions like where does this come from like so that they understand first that you are credible that you do care about them you've got good ideas and um then it opens the door for you to share with them and here's my faith here's the source of this this is why i believe what i do um in many ways it's so much better and there's many different ways to Mm -hmm. share your beliefs and your faith and gospel but that's in my mind i think one of the best ways that you've already established the credibility of who you are what you believe and it's something people want to be a part of and now you can talk about here here's where this comes from and it's important to me and it's a great way to open people's minds and hearts um and it's incredibly important the other thing i want to ask you about um recidivism rates so those that have joined your program talk a bit about the success that you've seen of those that have been a part of what you're doing I could speak on, because uh, we have a partnership with the House of Correction. And so far, uh, since we've been open, for, we've, this is our fourth year open, um, we've partnered with them where we would house guys who were doing their jail time at God Touch Milwaukee. And they would be on the electric monitoring. So they knew every movement that they were going. They weren't able to go to the corner store. They weren't able to do anything. They were doing jail time. They were right. literally at my house doing their jail time. Right. But through the courts, they were able to go to... Uh, different programs within the community that they they were assigned to go to, which we worked with them on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the first uh, first three guys who came through were the first guys that, you know, lived in my home that I opened it up to. It was, it was just an experience to, to sit with them and talk with them and how, you know, being, being incarcerated 
really gave them no hope. But then to be able to come to a home, sit on a porch, cook their own meals, right. be able to do things on their own, really, you know, opened their eyes that there is hope out there, you know. So since we've been doing this, we've had 10 guys come through the house to from the house correction to God Touch Milwaukee. And as of now, none of those 10 have gone back to jail, okay. to the house correction. So, you know, so we're, we're, we're batting 100, awesome. you know. And, um, and it, it's a blessing, you know, to know that because they got something when they were at God Touch, you know. Right. Uh, and I see some of them, you know, driving around the neighborhood. They'll pull over, come talk to me. Um, they may not be in church. They may not be, you know, but that's all right. You know, it's going to, it's eventually, it'll hopefully come, but, right. you know, they come and visit with me and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, I think that we are doing something right with this relationship with the house correction. And uh, guys are learning, you know, there's a better life than getting out and going back to your neighborhood and causing more problems and end up going back to jail. So, right. you know, um, so I, I'm really, really happy with that. I think it's amazing. And, you, know, you and I have been a part of conversations before about community relationships with the police force, what can be done to improve that. Um, and I think one of the things that I've tried to share with people, because obviously there's a huge uh, sudden uptick in people saying we, we want things to be better, but there's really a step beneath, like the goal should ultimately be less negative interactions, period, with law mm -hmm. enforcement. And that will lead to less negative interactions with law enforcement. It will make jobs easier for police because they're not having more negative interactions with the community and it leaves the community in a better spot in general. And to my mind, that's a huge part of what you're doing is saying, let's step back and look at this holistically. This is not just about every interaction between a police officer and a citizen. It is about putting people on a track in their life where they're not having interactions with, with law enforcement and that seems to, at this very moment, seem to be missing from this debate we're having in our country. Like, what are these underlying things, whether it's the accountability in life that gets you to have a successful job, or if it's getting you the right education so you're, it's another thing our group talks about a lot, but that you have the right platform to launch your life on. These are these core elemental things that if we can take this surge of concern and channel them towards the efforts that you're making, the efforts that others are making in education that's working, that to me seems like a return that we're going to get a return on that investment. Yes. And, um, I think that, you know, again, I, this topic is a hot topic. It is, you know, absolutely and, is. um, I, I feel that in regards of, you know, even people wanting defunding the police that taking away monies from them and putting in other programs, you know, I've been around Milwaukee for 15, 20 years doing this type of work. Mm -hmm. And I've seen money go into programs to where it didn't do anything. Right. Okay. Right. So if you want to take money away from law enforcement and stick it into programs that don't work, but just to give people a paycheck, that's wrong. Right. Okay. But if you're taking money to put it in invest, because investments totally is a whole different conversation too, because instead of just giving. If you invest, because investment's going to take time. You know, that you're going to work with organizations that are going to be effective. Then let's all sit down at a table and discuss this, you know. But if it's going to be happening the way it's been happening here in our city, I have a hard time with that. 
I really do. You know. Well, I think you opened the door to talking about what the role the, the private sector plays. Mm-hmm. Because right now, I think there's a huge urge amongst corporate America to say, we want to do something. We, yeah. I, we don't know what to do. We just want to do something. And I think part of the frustration I have is I see that because I work in the private sector mm-hmm. uh, for my full-time job is that there are great programs like mm-hmm. yours. Uh, there are great educational initiatives that these are solid, rock-solid investments in the community that have what we're talking about, long-term, uh, it is investment that will have a long-term payoff. And it's not just of the political moment. It is no. not just being said to make one group angry with you. It is a foundational investment that will help everybody. It doesn't make a difference what you look like, where you come from. It certainly helps the people that are in the most disadvantaged situations to really build the foundation of life. And I think... Here again, this is why we're having this conversation because I wanted to share the fact that there are good investments that can be made um, that will have a payoff no matter what. And that's how we should be thinking about how we build our society, yes. how we right the wrongs, how we move forward. And we got to understand that, you know, it's a it's a learning. This is, I mean, think what, what's been occurring here has been a lot of changes and a lot of um, experiences that we haven't been through. Okay, but we need to work through that. Right. And you, you're exactly right, is if there's a way to be able to be, help organizations that are accomplishing their goals and especially accomplishing changes within a community, let's look at that. Right. You know, and I'm repeating myself a little, but it's I'm tired of people arguing about wanting money for organizations that aren't doing it. Right. <laughs> And they keep getting money, and it's like, you know, it just don't make sense, you know, because if if the organization has no outcomes, why do you keep investing in it? You want to invest in something where there's going to be outcomes, and we've seen that in our city. You know, I could speak on that because I work for a nonprofit. I've been working for a nonprofit, so Mm -hmm. if people want to challenge me, oh, Marty, no, well, come (laughs) come talk to me because I've seen where money's gone, and they weren't work. It wasn't working. So right. you know, the, this stuff I'm passionate about, and I'll talk about because I've been been through yeah. it. You know, right. and I've seen it, so right. I know what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I say, if you know, all these people want to take monies away from MPD, well, I hope the leadership who is part of what this movement is and what they want to do realizes that they need to make sure if that happens, money is going to go to organizations as we're talking about that are going to be organizations with outcomes and it's going to change neighborhoods because we do need law enforcement. I don't care what anybody says. We do need law enforcement. And, you know, I sat in a meeting where I said that and I was not invited back to the meeting. And I'm okay with that because we do need law enforcement. Well, and you make a great point because uh, here again, people that aren't in neighborhoods that are faced regularly with the threat of, of violence, and you are, you you are in all parts of Milwaukee, so you see this, um, don't understand the position that you're putting people in those neighborhoods in. And that, um, yes, everybody wants a respectful, accountable relationship with law enforcement when and where it exists, right? And I think that's totally understandable and fair. But I think what's being missed in this larger debate, again, is that you're not helping people in neighborhoods that already face challenges by... Uh, further pulling a security net away from them or a safety net, and that's and by that I mean literally people that are there to help keep them safe. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
it's frustrating. And I, I, I don't know how else to come at this other than to point out the reality of the situation. And again, whether we're talking about what you're doing at God Touch Milwaukee, we do a ton of stuff at No Better Friend with uh, School of Choice because I think it's here again, foundational. It's the kind of thing that can change culture. It can put people on the right trajectory and it can get them uh, in a position where they are growing our community. Um, not just not having negative interactions, but they're growing our, our community for the future. And that's how we should be thinking about this. So I want to talk a bit about education Milwaukee. Uh, no Better Friend has, uh, has invested a lot of time and effort here in try to advance school choice programs that we think get kids uh, an escape valve that they need uh, from schools that are not performing. And I don't think that school choice is the answer for every family. I think it is incredibly important that we address the overall school system. And I think one of the ways you can do it is by introducing competition. Uh, but there are multiple solutions that need to be available, and, and they must be urgent because kids, and I say this all the time, don't have time to wait for politicians yeah. to fix school systems. So I'd love to get your thoughts on education in Milwaukee and uh, how important it is to address the challenges we have there. I think, you know, I and I've just been watching the news and talking to people. I work for a nonprofit organization that worked in MPS. So I was at two different high schools um, for uh, two years at South Division and two years at Bayview High School. So we were more mediators and worked with the kids who were more challenging. Um, and for right now, what I know back then to right now in regards to them having kids do online schooling and um, is really going to be a problem. It really is. I think MPS needs to make a better decision with this because um, even in April when they start shutting schools down, I notice kids in the neighborhood just running around taking it as, as summer break, you know, and I'm not uh, criticizing any family whatsoever, but we do have to look at the family structure, you know, what if it's just five kids living with the grandma, is the grandma capable of being able to sit down, and what if they don't get all the resources they need from MPS right away, what's going to happen to these five kids, you know, what's going to happen, you know, and that's where I look at where MPS should come up with more ideas to bring these kids back into school so that they're there learning instead of having them work off a computer where some don't even know how to turn on a computer and I'm not or don't have a computer and if MPS isn't providing what's going to happen to these kids you know they're going to be so far behind you know I think that um, I'm really discouraged with that because I see these kids in the neighborhood and and I know they need their education. And a lot of them want to go back to school. Right. They do. They want to go. Yeah, if they it's, know the if it's just the hanging right. out, talking to people. Right. But you know what? At least you're doing it in school and you're learning something while you're going through that. You know, And then to take, you know, um, say, okay, no schools in the county. There's going to be no schooling for school choices. I mean, I know my good friend, he's a principal of uh, three schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian schools, mm-hmm. and now they got they're figuring out okay what are they going to do because of this this announcement that they're not going to be able to have school, right? You know, and um, so I mean it, it's to me it this is just like another ploy of politics, and and it's wrong mm-hmm. because as you t- we talked, why should a child be affected because of politics, right? 
you know, let them get their education, let them get their learning, you know, and wearing, if they got to wear masks, have plexiglass or whatever around their desk. Let's get creative and do something so these kids get back in school. You're touching on such an important thing. I, I have had conversations with people all across political spectrums and different socioeconomic statuses about this. And I think what many people of more comfortable socioeconomic statuses are missing in this debate right now is the kids who are going to be most adversely affected uh, by this are already are already facing the greatest disadvantages. And there's no two ways. And I know when you and I say that, we both know that. Like, that's mm-hmm. elemental. Of course that's the case because they already have less resources. They maybe have less family structure to help them out, uh, might live in neighborhoods where it's just tougher to, to get by day to day, right? And um, so we understand that. There is a massive disconnect with a fair amount of America just not getting, like literally you say that to them, like well, who do you think is going to be worse, most negatively affected by this? And they stare at you blankly because they're not even thinking outside their own home. And that doesn't mean they're bad people, but it does mean that they're caught up in a political debate, as you were just saying, and not thinking about all the existential factors and the harms that could be done by bad decisions right now. And we're talking about, oh, it's just, you know, a year and a half. A year and a half can change everything for a kid who's already maybe on on the brink of not being successful in school. And I I think you're you're not as I hear you. You're not advocating for let's do crazy dangerous things. It's like let's push the limit on what we can do to provide educational structure to kids who need it, so they do not fall behind the curve. And um, I, I you know you can almost see the debate three years from now where people the very people today that are saying get these kids out of school are going to be accusing the rest of us of not looking out for disadvantaged yes. kids. Mm-hmm. The hypocrisy of it is you can see it down the, the lane. And I think what you and I were talking about here today is like, like no let's not make the mistake let's think let's let's be honest and that yes there's there's harm from a public uh, health threat provided by COVID sure absolutely mm-hmm. but there's also harm from letting think wide across America, millions of children um, who are already in tough spots fall further behind the curve educationally. And you're just not hearing that debate head honestly. And I know there's many teachers who feel that way. Teachers unions are a different subject. I always separate teachers from teachers unions. Mm -hmm. And to hear those teachers unions come in so adamantly at this point, it just tells you their priorities are not with thinking, how do we creatively help the kids and make sure they're not my wife is a teacher, yep. so I watched her, and then I watched her because we're raising a young boy. Uh, he's just turned nine, and watched her work with him on his stuff. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of work, and, and it was just one. Yeah, right. What happens if there's three or four yeah, or more? Yes. I mean, it's it's just very challenging. I see it, you right. know, and uh, I just think whoever remember what was that slogan? No, no kid left behind. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Okay. I think we need to stand on that because we're leaving these kids behind right now, and we need to stand up for these kids. We need to be their voice because people aren't hearing them. So people in our positions need to be their voice and really push for them. You know, and and I just don't see that a lot in um, what's happening with MPS right now. What the some of the leadership in MPS that can stand up and say. Let, let, let's create, let's be creative and right. get these kids back in school. And understand the urgency of it. And I think that's what's missing too, that yes, we're going to have to have some type of solution that does the best it can to guard for public health, but there's an urgency yeah. to figuring this out because it is not simply, we just can't do it. It is, 
that's what I think I cannot agree with you more on. It, it's you want to hear from your um, whether it's uh, elected officials or school leaders that there is an urgency to figuring out the solution because it can have long-term catastrophic effects. You know this. I don't need to tell you this, but not only just falling behind educationally, but kids being subjected to uh, just bad situations vis-a-vis law enforcement as we're having this conversation, that they're going to be in more bad situations because there's less structure to life. And it, it literally loops back on what you were saying at the beginning, like these building block things of structure, discipline, take school out of a kid's life for an extended That's period. Huge. Yeah, incredibly negative. And then again, we're at this political cycle and debate repeats with people talking about negative interactions with law enforcement and again, gets back to this idea of like, well, let's stop the negative interactions. Let's have the structure, the foundation right, and then get these kids in, in a whole other place in their life where they're the ones leading our communities and growing them. And we're not even talking about negative interactions with law enforcement. And, uh, certainly shutting down schools is not going to help. It's not going to help. And then the other topic, too, is taking, you know, the police officers out of the school. Okay, let me talk about that for one second. The officers that they had in some of these schools were building, have established relationships with these kids already. So wouldn't you want someone who has a relationship with an individual to deal with a crisis situation than someone who has no idea no who idea. the person is? Yes. Right. So for them to right. say, we want the police out? Right. <laughs> the police are going to call no matter what because they get called. I, I worked in MPS, you know. so I know. Yes. They yes. get called to the schools because right. of certain uh situations that occur but i would rather have officers who know these kids because then it makes it so much easier to defuse the whole situation than to have the ones that come in that have no idea and then these kids are gonna you know have a bad bad uh, outburst because of who is this guy telling me what to do you know so i that too when when that was all happening i was like what is mps really doing right now you know, <laughs> no, you're talking about situational awareness, which is, is you know, if, if anyone who's had to deploy force of any kind understands the importance of situational awareness. And I knew this as a Marine in combat, right? Like to know people, to know a situation as you walk into it actually reduces the likelihood of force being used because you understand the environment. That you're, this, is, this is true of anything in life. It is certainly true when it comes into walking into a potentially dangerous situation. And... So you're talking about the relationship aspect, which I think is incredibly important. There's also the, the issue of, like, if you're physically in the building, as a situation develops, mm-hmm. you have more situational awareness, you're less likely to end up in a situation where you're using force. And then there's just, like, the presence of... I mean, I, you know, I went to Homestead. Obviously, a, a perfectly safe and nice... We had a, a police officer in the school. Um, yes, they got... When there was fights and whatnot, they got involved in that. Um, but the fact that they were physically present, had relationships, had situational awareness, uh, led to a less likely uh, mm-hmm. use of force, which is incredibly important. Very important. Then they, when they, when the youth, the, the kids then see a relationship with me and a law enforcement, mm-hmm. if they got total trust in me, then they're gonna they're gonna listen to the officer right. a little more because right. if Marty's dealing with them, if Marty's talking with him. You know, I was called to a double homicide a few weeks back. And when I, when I came to the scene, the officer right away pulled me underneath the tape and said, hey, we got families, can you go talk with these families? And the, when, I, when I came to the scene, there was some chaos, and 
I knew some of the people, so I was able to talk with them. And then when they saw me interacting with the police, it kind of brought some of that environment down, you right. know, brought down the outburst, brought down the anger towards law enforcement because they're like, you know what, if Marty's talking with this guy, that guy must be, right. he must be all right, you know. Right. And that's like it is in schools, you know, with the, the cop, the officers that are working in the schools, they are establishing relationships with the different entities that are going into the school right. to where there's different programs where now the police officers come to a program hanging out with all the kids and it, it I could I saw positive right. okay and uh, so I, I struggled when they said that they were going to do that and uh, because I think it, it's it's unfortunate for um, the kids too because then the kids were seeing that positive interaction and now that piece is going to be gone so right we'll see what happens <laughs> uh, yeah no and that's the worst part is that we have to see what happens right we're going to run an experiment and and the kids again are the the test subject because it's their life at the end of the day and whether we're talking about them not being in the school or subjected potentially to more violent interactions um, because there's a lack of presence of law enforcement they're the ones that are being experimented on and and that's i think so difficult and Look, you, you have some idea of my political experience. When you get into politics, and this is what I've tried to share with everybody about our current moment of politics, is that, call me a cynic, but, you know, people are lying from all different angles. They have a reason for what they say. It involves the accumulation of power and wealth. <laughs> and that's unfortunately what a lot of politics is to people. And so peel back the onion. Think about why people say what they do at a moment where they think they can curry favor by attacking law enforcement or uh, shutting down schools uh, without a real good solution to what we can do to, to replace that education, they are trying to curry political favor from people. That does not mean they're actually putting forward solutions that help the people that are most uh, most affected by this. So I, that's that's the reason we have these conversations is encourage people to think, pull back the curtain, like really, yes, do risk analysis, be smart about public health. We are, as you and I talk, we're yes. all in favor of this, mm -hmm. but, you know, then think about, okay, blow this thing out. Like, what are the real risks? Like, what are the real long-term implications of getting this stuff wrong and creating uh, permanently adversarial relationships between law enforcement who very, very, very much by and large is just trying to keep people safe and go home at night to see their family. Um, how do you... How do you improve those interactions? Well, it's certainly not by telling people that everybody hates everybody. So, and then what about the programs that are established in the schools? If there's no school, there's no program. Correct. Right. So right. these kids are getting a double whammy, you know. Absolutely. And you know, I know I could speak on an organization, the Violence Free Zone. They do an incredible job working in the, in the MPS, and they have some great, some really good qualified staff that they've hired, and who could relate to a lot of these, a lot of situations that occur. Right. And now they're pulled from it because MPS is closed, right. you know, and, and a lot of those kids depended on those adults. Right. And now they don't have those adults. I mean, I would imagine phone numbers, but still sure. in person. It's different. You know, so it, it's it's really sad to see right. the direction right now. So you know, I, I hope, you know, somehow this will change and they open up the schools, uh, choice schools and MPS to be able to do what they they're called to do to help these kids out here. And so, so much of what we've talked about today is relationships. You are, you're talking about building credibility, trust, relationships, whether that is 
dealing with somebody who's um, leaving incarceration, trying to get their, their life right. It's establishing credibility, having a relationship, being able to then share your faith. Uh, what you just said, literally going to um, the terribly unfortunate event of a double homicide, but yet having a relationship with people and law enforcement such that there's credibility and trust. And again, I get gets back to these elemental things like there is not always a government program to solve things there is people um we whether it's our faith our church our family (laughs) these things are what get people through challenges and what helps to share like the lessons of like how you are successful in life and i just you know that's where our focus needs to be is how do we build these uh human institutions our family our faith such that we can get through rough times um, and then ideally avoid rough times in the long term. And that's by, you know, building relationships, as you just said. You know, I, I, if I could say this, too, it, in regards of law enforcement, um, this goes with what you're, we were talking about. Uh, we need to understand that when there's a scene, a situation, shooting, whatever it is, when law enforcement's called, they're not there to comfort the people in the neighborhood. Right. They're not trained to do. They're trained to do their job to make sure they take care of the scene. Right. Okay? But then they want to partner with people they could call to come to be the ones who could comfort the right. people right. during this this time. I think people don't understand that. You know, I understand there's a lot of emotions that are flying around. Of course. But they, the understanding is when law enforcement is called, they're not the, the therapists. You know, right. they're not, that's not in their, and I, again, I, I, I'm not trying to be cold hearted or anything when I say this, but it, it's, it's facts. I mean, yeah. we got to respect what they're calling. They're called to take care of that whole crime scene and, um, to ensure safety, to the and, best that they can, yeah. but a lot of people don't understand that they right. think they're there, you know, but, but establishing relationships, then they right. see people like us come to the scene and, and the officers, okay. You guys talk to them because they're the ones you could connect right. with and they could help your resources, and, and then it, it works, you know. Right. And there was um, an officer, Officer Hunter, and that's what his goal was when he was working at, in law enforcement. He would connect with the different uh, organizations so that they would get called to the scenes in order to do that part right. because the officers are too busy doing what they're doing. And then hopefully it wouldn't create more chaos, you know. And that established so much trust and relationship building then to where it'll avoid or, or that, that'll prevent more crime from happening at the scene. Because, you know, right. people get upset. It's they start to fight. They start to go out to officers. Right. Here, but you got Chris Lawrence there or holding back the crowd saying, right. okay, I'm going to help you. You know, I want to hear what you're going through, right. you know. And... To your question, it all it all starts with the relationship. You, know, you got to get to know, you know, the players, the people who who the shakers. Like I, we've always said this when we did um, when we we're doing the street outreach. We were blessed by being able to to sit with the leaders of the gangs. We we didn't sit with just the gang members. We sat with the leaders. Mm-hmm. So when things would start to come to a head, I'd go to the leader and say, "Hey." Can we talk about this? Can we take care of this situation? Right. You know, and then decisions would be made because they would all listen to him, you know. So you, we got to see when we go into the community or to schools, wherever we're at, who are the ones that people trust? Who are the ones that people believe in? Because let's tap in them and give them resources in order to 
hold it down so they know you know we don't have a big mess you know and and it's all created with relationship building i hope i answered that no no absolutely and i think they great points and Touch on something else which is incredibly important in this moment, uh, given the intensity of the debate about law enforcement and their role, is that, you know, as a society, as we've seen political failings, we've seen educational failings, we have expected law enforcement to just magically fill that gap. And to your point, like, not only just enforce safety, but also to uh, be therapists, to be community advisors, to be potentially political leaders on issues that politicians won't touch with a a 10-foot pole. And at the end of the day, that is literally impossible. That can't mm-hmm. be done. And when then you're under a microscope, it's expected to be perfect at every interaction, which you're not going to be, none of us would be, under that kind of stress, and stress is a big part of that job. I've not done that job. I've done, uh, obviously, as a Marine, I have an idea of what that can be like mm-hmm. day after day. It's tough. And again, I, what I hear in you and what you're doing, again, the goal should be make the job easier for and to do that, address these issues. Be yes. honest about what our problems are. Mm-hmm. Get to the core problem. And guess what? Communities are healthier. They are less dangerous, less violent places to be. And again, people are interacting less with police, and no one would be happier than police officers if that were the case. Yeah. And, you know, there's people close to me where we don't see eye to eye on certain things, but we can agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the one thing that we have to realize, you know, in law enforcement, yes, there are some that aren't right. There's some that aren't doing their job right. There's some who are dealing with emotional problems, some dealing with mental problems. And, um, like there isn't any pastor. And any, I was just going to say, yeah. any, you have right. pastors that have done sure. a lot of damage. You Absolutely. have politicians that have done a lot of damage. That's I mean, what, so that's it's, what they mostly do. Yes. It, it's, <laughs> that's, that's the main thing is that, you know, there's no one perfect organization. Right. You would love for it to be. Right. You really would. You know, but right. there's... I mean, who knows how many people see flaws in me, probably. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's all right, because but I know right. what I'm doing is right. right. You know, but I'm right. just using me as an example is that you have people out there who are just already judging individuals that they don't even know. That they don't know, correct. And yes. thinking that they're such a monster when they're really not a monster, that right. they want the best for their community, you know. Right. And, um, you know, that that's sad that they right. go off of that. And then because then they could have 100 followers to where they say this guy's a monster and 100 followers has another 100 followers. Right. So then you have 200 people saying that this guy's a monster and he's not a monster. Right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's... Yeah, so it's real people that get caught up in that. Well, and so as we wrap up here, one of the things I wanted to, to ask you, um, we, we talked about challenges, we talked about what you're doing to meet them. Um, I think there's an incredible amount of hope in what you're doing, which is wonderful. It's not just hope, it's, it's real, it's traction. Um, what, what makes you most hopeful about the future of this country? When you think about, yes, we've talked about some of the bad stuff, we've talked about what we're trying to do, but when you think about what makes you hopeful and inspires you for the future, what's that? You know, it, it's, it's people, and I'm not just saying this because we're all sitting here, it's people like you guys you know, is that are out there speaking for ones that can't be heard. It's people like myself speaking for ones that can't be heard. It's other leaders who really are genuine, genuine to to the community and really want change in a positive way and are making differences, you know, who are speaking for for people too. And 
I guess by us being able to work together, you know, it, it, it's like a body. I can't do what you do, Kevin. You know, you can't do what I do. Right. But guess what? We could do it together and we can make Absolutely. it work. We can make it work great, right. you know. Right. So I guess that's how I look at it is there's organizations, there's ministries, there's uh, businesses um, out there and et cetera where we could all work for one cause and that cause is to better our community. Right. And I guess that's what I'm hopeful about. That brings me hope because of organizations that are making positive change here in Milwaukee. And people may not know of them, but they're making positive change right. and they're, they're directing um, their environment into the, into, it's like a, a, a um, like a, a river. It's, and we're all going to meet up at one head, you right. know, and when we meet up, it's, you know, we're, we all have the same cause and the same beliefs. So right. I guess that's why I'm hopeful is um, being part of that river and knowing that one day we're all going to be together and it's going to, we're going to be able to accomplish a whole bunch. Thank you, Marty. I, I love it. And I love the idea of the river and flowing forward. And uh, thank you for everything you're doing and for that, for what God Touch Milwaukee is doing means a lot to the community. We know that. That's why we're happy to share this story with uh, with all of our listeners. And it means a lot to, to us that you joined us on the Right Idea Podcast. So yeah. thank you and God bless. God bless tonight. Thank you. I'm Kevin Nicholson. Thank you for joining us today on the Right Idea Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Right Idea Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Ricochet, Stitcher, Luminary, or wherever you listen to podcasts.